This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. I'm so excited that you have chosen to be here and celebrate another episode here of the Ops Authority Podcast. We've got a special guest today, and I'm going to introduce her really quick, and we're going to dive in here because she is she's a legend in the online space. She's been helping service providers and business owners for quite some time. I was telling her before we hit record that I feel like I've been following her around the internet for at least the eight years that I have been in business. So she has been profoundly helpful with lots and lots and lots of different businesses and types of businesses in my time of being in business. So I can't wait to hear what she's got to share with us today. But we are here with Abigail. She's the co-founder and the CEO behind Boss Project, and she hosts the chart-topping podcast, The Strategy Hour. She's internet famous. I love that internet famous. (laughs) For Boss Project's Trello for Business program, which breaks down boring and complicated systems into bite-sized chunks. She's helped over 10,000 creative small business owners create simplicity and ease in reaching their goals. After getting her start in 2015, that's why I've been following you around this whole time. That's when I went into business myself. (laughs) After getting her start in 2015, serving clients in the marketing and branding space, she now helps other service-based business owners reignite their offer, create systems for client experience, and get more of their time back inside of the Boss Projects program called The Incubator. The team at Boss Project is truly revitalizing the service-based industry through strategies that don't require flashy marketing, a huge audience, or full-time hours. Everyone here is like hands in the air. That last sentence like really puts everybody, hopefully gets your ears like totally tuned in for what Abigail has to share. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This is... I want to have a conversation, you know, our audience is operators, right? So Mm -hmm. when we look at business, you've got the front side of business and the back side of business, which can really basically be broken down into marketing and sales, driving that front revenue engine, and then the backside being operations. And that operation zone is what we get all excited about. Mm -hmm. Actually, the marketing side can be daunting. And then there's a subset of our audience that's interested in like the, the technology piece or the operational marketing piece of how to make some of that tech and stuff work. But for the large part, we're all operators. We are fact finders. We are really, really great at creating project plans and executing those project plans. And I think from following you, you've got a lot of those exact same skills as well. So I know you get this audience, right? Yeah. Up until a month or two ago, I was primarily in the operations side of our business. Yeah. I definitely had a huge hand in sales, but marketing was not my focus for the last several years. So I have lots of thoughts around the operation side of the business for sure. And I have to be honest, Abigail, Trello, I mean, that is my jam. I love me some Trello. We have moved off personally or internally inside of our own business. We started on Trello. And then once our business 
got bigger and bigger, we moved from Trello over to ClickUp, which was for me a very, very hard move because I think Trello is the most intuitive project management tool on the market. And we encourage a lot of our students to start with Trello and then just see where you go. But I also bought your your Trello program many, many years ago. You and 10,000 other people did. So (laughs) it it definitely was where I got my start. I have also since moved. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we we are on Asana. It's been really great for our team and Mm -hmm. our continued growth. But I think Trello is a great place to start. And, you know, as you build team members, it's not necessarily a solution that works forever. And so I have lots of thoughts about that too. But sorry for another day. Yes, yes, yes. But I can tell that you have a lot of the systemizing, the strategies for, you know, making things run more efficiently. And so just to kind of pull this together and for you to share your expertise, when our focus is largely on the backside of business or in the operational components of business, that doesn't lend us as number one, we've got a great skill set. So with that skill set, we build businesses. And a lot of the people that are listening to us today are in the hunt for building and growing and expanding, up-leveling their own businesses. And we leverage the service that we provide, the gifts that we have. And so we're all sort service-based professionals here. And the beauty to that is that we are monetizing a skill that comes natural to us. The hard part of building a business off of a skill set is that it's not natural for our audience and me to be in that marketing engine that we were just talking about. And so I'd love to spend some time today with you talking about how myself and this entire audience can learn from you and how you guys or how you have been really effective in you know growing such a, a great solid business and not having to rely on social media and you know all of the marketing engines that when you're getting into this you're told like you've got to do this this and this and i remember abigail way back in the day when i was absorbing and just becoming acquainted with the online space and thinking oh my gosh i've got to have an you know i've got to have a dozen opt-ins and I've got to have a new opt-in for every podcast episode. And I've got to have this crazy email list and I've got to do this. And, you know, the list is very, very long. And if, of course, the longer I listened to that, the more overwhelmed I got, the more I told myself I couldn't do this. And so, you know, I have my own story that we will probably dive into here, but I did not reach this level of success by doing all of those things because I straight up said it from the very beginning there's no way I don't have the capacity and I didn't have the knowledge and skills or, you know, the technology savvy to be able to do all that. So anyway, I'd love for you to share your wisdom on how we can do this without, you know, being a slave to all of the marketing jargon and tools that are kind of shown and thrown to us all the time. Yeah. So I did it once and I decided to do it again to kind of prove a point because I have said since the very beginning that marketing and really promoting content and putting yourself out on social channels while appealing is not required for every small business. And you do not necessarily need an email list, opt-ins, ads, social channels, etc., to be booked out and profitable. Not that you can't add those things over time, not that those things can't add to your ongoing success, but they're not necessarily essential or core pieces that are going to get a business started or growing. And 
early on, it was definitely not required. The business I was getting in the early part of my career when I was building a branding and marketing agency was from referrals. It was from relationships. It was from people I was meeting and connecting with. And I was also actively working to build referral engines behind the scenes so I could get a constant stream of people into my inbox without having to focus so heavily on marketing. But over the years, people started to distrust that this was possible because I run a top 1% podcast in the world. I've generated millions of dollars online and I most definitely have social channels. And they're like, easy for you to say, like, you're doing it. You've built opt-ins, you've built content, you're, you're a content marketer, blah, blah, blah. How can you say that? And so I was like, whatever, I'm going to prove a point. And for an entire year, I really stepped away from the marketing side of the business. I was not consistently posting on any social platforms. I definitely still produce the podcast, but not necessarily to drive leads, just to continue adding value. And I turned away from a lot of that. And I restarted the agency side of my business because it was important to me to get back in the weeds and understand what you guys were going through and really make sure that I was still attuned to what was making a service provider successful. Mm -hmm. We were booked out. We didn't need a ton of people in our network to make that side of our business work. And, you know, regardless of my story aside, the same is true for our clients. The majority of our clients are completely booked out and hitting their financial goals, working with two to five people a month. Like they don't necessarily need this giant roster of people coming in the door for things to all make sense. And ultimately, a lot of what marketing has taught us over the last many years (laughs) is that we are supposed to be creators. We are supposed to develop content and we're supposed to educate. And if we're not doing those things, then we're doing a disservice to our audience. But the majority of my clients don't necessarily love marketing. Like they love serving their clients. They love impacting their clients and they'd much rather spend their time delivering the service that they're selling than going out and producing new content. And I get it. Like not everyone is cut out for this content machine that the internet wants you to be, Mm -hmm. but it's not required. And so for our clients, we really taught a framework of removing barriers to make it easier for someone to work with you. And so rather than adding in an opt-in upfront on your website and pushing people to get in some kind of funnel and then like eventually telling them that you can offer these things, we are really direct. We are helping people put their offer up front and center and making taking the next step as a prospect the easiest decision possible. And it's not hard. (laughs) It just means removing steps. And I think the last decade has taught people that, you know, you need to click this and do that and go through this automation and da 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 da. And then On the other side, they're magically going to do the thing. But consumers have become more and more savvy and they know what's happening. 
They know they're being taken through some kind of sales cycle. And ultimately, buyers are waiting longer and longer and longer before they reach out to a service provider. It used to be three to five years ago that when someone was reaching out, they were still in the consideration phase of their buying process. They were comparing three to five different vendors. They were really trying to make sure they understood the deliverables they'd get and compare XYZ person to XYZ person. And then they were going to make a decision. Now, when people reach out, I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what industry you're in. The majority of people are already 90 to 95% to a yes. They simply want to make sure they can trust you. That's really what it's all coming down to. They are already pretty sure you're who they want to move forward with. And they might not even be talking to any other service provider about this specific topic. And you may have found you're doing the same thing in your daily life. You know, when you call a plumber because you got a problem with your toilet in the middle of the night, you're only calling one plumber. You're not calling four plumbers and saying, how much is it going to be over here? I, I need help. It's an emergency. You're making one phone call. You want easy next steps. And the person who doesn't call you back is not getting the job the next time. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not hard. It's the removing the barriers that I think can really feel disorienting when you are a consumer of the content marketing wheel that the other parts of the industry are putting in front of you. Yeah, this is all so good. I'm like nodding my head like, (laughs) oh my goodness, I can't wait to chime in here. But as you were talking about, like consumers... We know we have been in this digital space for, let's say, at 20 years and really, really in this time and place for the last 10, where what I mean by this time and place is the way that digital marketing works. And this doesn't mean what I'm about to share and the example I'm going to share has nothing to do with our business space, right? But as consumers, like your mama and your granny both are experiencing the same thing too, where you go to buy something and And I see it in my own children, but we go to buy something online because let's face it, that's where 99% of our transact outside of groceries and salons, (laughs) but we are making most of our transactions online. Before I go to place an order, I go looking for a coupon code because guess what? I know that they are out there. The game is not new, right? Everybody knows that you can probably find a coupon code somewhere out there for a physical product that you're going to be ordering. So that's to me, when you were talking, I was like, yeah, I mean, we're training people. We've already trained people and we're kind of over it. Like there's no, I don't feel like there's like sneaky savviness that we're going to like spring up on people. I think even my mama probably knows that we're going to, she's going to put her email in somewhere. Then she's going to start getting emails about some service or possibility. Like this is not (laughs) novel anymore. And it's going to be really cool to see how we as an economy start Mm -hmm. to get creative because that, while it is effective, I don't think it has to be overly complex. And I know, just like you know, we don't have to build a business by collecting a jillion email addresses. No. Our students don't need a roster of 100 clients. We need like two to four and two maybe even too much, right? So For real though. For real So I always tell them like, you don't have to have six social channels. I didn't even have a website. The first, you know, six months I was in business. Me neither. I I didn't have a portfolio out. I was 
having coffee and taking people to lunch and getting to know people. I was not sending them to some website that was going to like make them say yes. Like I was talking to real human beings that had real problems and offering a real solution. And ultimately that business has not changed, but the rest of the internet has evolved and service providers are not necessarily catching up. So there are some parts that are literally the same as the way our grandparents are doing business. And there are other parts of our business that we have got to catch up to 2023. We just got to. And so I need you to differentiate. There's some things that are happening. Now, I think the easiest way to like come to terms with it is to really think about how the rest of the internet works. Because I think often it's like when we're analyzing our own thing, it's too close to home. So When you think about e-commerce as an example, and you think about shopping online, there is a set of rules that are universal standards that are across every single website out there where you can buy a physical-based product. You go to the website, you click the shop tab, you Mm -hmm. can filter things, you can look at things by different price points, you can click into a product, you're going to get a description of it, you maybe you're going to get some reviews, you add it to your cart, and you go through the checkout process. Nobody is doing that differently. It is literally the same across tens of thousands, millions of e-commerce websites. Yeah. Every service provider on the planet is trying to be clever. Stop it. You don't need to be clever to get people to buy from you. You need to be clear. You need to be concise about what the next step is. And you're preventing sales by adding these barriers in to work with you. If they don't know what the next step is to take, they're not going to take it. And if you make that step too difficult for them, they're going to abandon the process. And so, okay, sure, maybe you're sending them to a lead capture form. Love that for you. But are you asking them 100 questions that takes them 35 minutes to fill out the form? They're going to leave the page. So you have to simplify the process for people. And does that mean you maybe have to vet them in a call or have a conversation, God forbid? Yeah, but like, that's okay. And you can learn a lot about your prospective buyers by looking at their own social presence before you even hop on and have a conversation with them. So I'm excited about what's possible for people. But if you don't have a clear next step, people will move on. Yeah. When we teach people to package, you know, in the whole packaging part of their offer, I'm really, really big on making sure that they have a process. And we we as operators and detail-oriented, detail-minded people, I mean, if I showed you our hiring process, it's probably like 40-something steps because I'm really granular. That's the way that my brain thinks. And Mm -hmm. so I have to take that granular brain and I have to boil it up. Instead of boiling it down, I have to wrap it up and say, okay... If someone's coming to me for hiring, it's because they don't trust themselves, they don't have a trusted process, or they need additional help. So they don't need to see my 40-step process, right? They need to know what I've got going on. They need to know that I have a process, and that process needs to be like five to seven steps, right? Three to seven steps, if you will. Buyers want to know that you know what you're doing, right? It's the whole like human to human 
person to person, heart to heart. Like when we get down to the buying stage, and if you're a service provider, you know, you may not love the word sales, but you got to sell to be in business. And so when you're having those conversations, that person on the other end just wants to know that you're legit. Mm-hmm. And like you've already said, Abigail, they're 90% there. They already likely have told themselves that they're going to work with you. They just need one more touch point. And typically this is a face-to-face or Zoom, however you want to do that, where you're looking at somebody and you're telling them, this is my process. This is the next step that I'm going to do and take off of your plate. They want to be able to trust you. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is a really, really solid point. And, you know, the conversation piece of this, I think our audience and operators, I mean, sales just have a really hard stigma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are, and, and you and I can say this all day long, it's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have these processes, as you alluded to, when you have a process, it makes the conversation easier. You're not digging around with what to say to these people. You know exactly what to say. You're showing off your mm-hmm. intellectual property. You're showing off that you know what you're doing. You're showing off that you are legit. And so, yes, it is going to be a part of the process. You're going to have to talk to somebody somehow, some way. And face-to-face is always typically is going to be the best way to convert them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different ways to convert. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter how you sell, but for sure, some sort of face-to-face conversation will convert the highest. On average, a sales call is going to be anywhere from like 60 to 90% you're going to convert people at. You know, if you move to a social conversation and you do social selling, you might see that drop to as low... I mean, maybe even lower than this, but my like optimize in social selling was only around 15%. And then if you're looking at like digital products, courses, memberships or whatever, 2% on the high end, but the majority of people are converting at half a percent, which is atrocious. It's so frustrating. And so jumping on the phone or Zoom for the majority of you is going to be transformational because it's easy. You just have a conversation. Yeah. And you said it, 60 to 90% of a conversion from just having a small conversation and showcasing what you have to offer and how you're going to execute for them. That conversion's crazy compared to the half of a percent. And we don't need a ton of volume. I mean, we need need to have a few sales calls a month to be able to keep yourself booked and probably have, you know, a really good Rolodex and pipeline for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it as even if it were 50% that you're converting at, if you need two clients a month, you need four calls. Okay. Yes. Can you have four conversations with people? I think you have time for that. Yeah. One of the things that we hear from the audience is, you know, they don't know where to look for clients. So mm-hmm. what could you share with the audience on, you know, where to go, how to find them? I think it really depends on what you're selling and who you're ultimately trying to sell to. However, I think there are some consistent things that can be done. One of the approaches that tends to be the easiest when you're starting out is one of two things, and they were both really effective for me. The first one is aligning yourself with someone in the same industry, offering the same or similar services, And presenting yourself as an option for white labeling. You can go to another busy service provider and say, hey, I'm willing to take some things off your plate. 
And I would love to help you work with your clients and start that conversation. I did this early with uh, several agencies in the local Kansas City market. And the amazing part of that is I ended up working with global brands that I would have never had the opportunity to work with if I was seeking these clients one-on-one. I was working with Pizza Hut and Coca-Cola and Massage Envy and all of these different amazing companies. And I just simply would not have had that exposure if I hadn't gone through that channel. And a lot of these people are looking for help anyway. They're struggling to hire. Hiring is slower than ever. Finding qualified people is difficult. And if they have these odd jobs they want to take on, they do not have the staff to add more to their plate. And so someone who can really do a good job for them is going to be a really expansive opportunity for them. Now, some of these agencies are going to want you to be mysterious to the client. They don't want the client to know you exist. And so you may only end up communicating with that agency. They're giving you new projects. You work on the project, you give it to them. If there's feedback or changes, you're getting it directly from the agency. You're not interacting with the client at all. Honestly, it's pretty good gig if you ask me. You don't have to manage clients. You develop one relationship that you get good at communication with and you can keep that up. Some of them, however, do want to be able to hand stuff off. And so you can create an option where perhaps you're white labeling, but you're adding to their business. They're presenting you as a member of their team, and you may end up interacting with their clients directly, whether that be on calls or in meetings or whatever. And that can be a really great opportunity for you to continue to hone your skills. A lot of times they'll come with you to those meetings. So again, if you're earlier in your career, you can learn a lot by how they're interacting with the client directly for you to know and understand the kinds of things you could add to your own workflow as you take clients independently. I think that's a really solid option. Now, if you're looking for something similar, but you really want to own the client, you want them to be your client, I hear you and I get it. And so I similarly went out and found rather than an agency, rather than someone who already had a handful of full-time people, I found an individual who I was very certain was very busy. She was a sole provider and she was doing work similar to the kind of work I wanted to be doing. I created a relationship with her and I offered her a referral opportunity. And I said, I will pay you for new clients that you send my way that you do not have time to manage. And we created a really easy system where If someone contacted her about a project that she didn't have time for or she didn't want to take on, she would get the initial details. Essentially, she'd have the discovery call with them. Then she'd send me an email and say, here's all the details about the project. Are you interested? Yes or no. I had first write a refusal for literally any job she didn't want to take, which was amazing. And I was able to vet these people. And I was so early that I like needed all of the work. So I was saying yes to pretty much everything that was crossing her desk. But 
I still had the option to say no. And if I said yes, then she was creating the introduction. She had already got buy-in because she'd asked all of the relevant questions for what do you need done in this project? And I was able to take on these clients and I would pay her a set fee up to a cap. So I paid her a percentage of that initial project's price and then not to exceed a certain dollar amount. I want to say it was like 15 or 20% up to $500. That was the structure we worked out. And then it was very clear that if I worked with this client once, they were my client after that. And so for any future projects, I didn't have to pay her additional. Now, obviously there's a lot of trust involved with this process because I could have said that I didn't actually take the client. She could have not sent me people, whatever. It takes time to develop a relationship like this, but you could have consistent leads on autopilot without having to go out and find them yourself. And connecting yourself with people who are already saturated, who are already busy, who are already developed in the industry that you want to be in, they're good to have alliances anyway. I'm all about making these people community, peers, not competition. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a brilliant way to get started. You know, I think as you grow and expand, there's other things you can be doing to connect with new leads. And it depends, again, on the kind of client you're after. You know, maybe it's joining a chamber of commerce in your local network. Maybe it's aligning yourself with a local nonprofit and consistently volunteering so that you can meet new people in your area. It can also be spending more time on LinkedIn, specifically going after connections and creating relationships and having some of those initial calls. Those tend to be slower burns. You can get a lot further faster with the two approaches that I mentioned before, but they can be life-changing. Like, If you are someone who doesn't love the marketing process, you can absolutely set up a business that doesn't require you to do that ever. It's just a different approach and nobody's talking about it. And I think we need to continue to hear about it because the reality is it's not our core like skill set or strength or passion, right? So finding other ways to be successful instead of seeing, you know, nothing hurts more than seeing these very capable, able, brilliant women like give up on what they want because the marketing part of the business is hard. They're so good at the fulfillment of executing on the process and the service that they're selling, but generating leads, if you even want to call them that, or or having those connections, having the calls to convert just gets overwhelming. And you start to tell yourself, I, I've been there myself where it's like, yeah, this is hard. This, you know, it's just too hard to do this. So I'm going to abandon this, which is the last thing I want. And I'm sure you're the exact same, Abigail. Mm -hmm. Please, ladies, as you're listening to this, know that I say this all the time. And I love that you said the same thing. I mean, do not forget to explore your local market. It's huge. It's so big. I tell people all the time. I mean, we're talking about operators. Every business has to have an operational arm. Now, do they have to have a full big ops team? No, but in the absence of an ops team, at least the CEO is going to have to oversee it. You can't run a business without having a balance of marketing and ops. So every single brick and mortar that you see in your town has the need for operations. 
now they, you know, everybody needs something, you know, in different capacities, et cetera. But don't forget about your local area, the yeah. places that you frequent, the the relationships you have, as well as the organizations that are around you. Depends mm-hmm. on the size of town that you live in, but you're probably not that far. You're probably less than two hours from a larger market. And in that larger market, you've got your chambers, even in small towns, you've got chambers, but you've got chambers, you've got women's organizations, you've got young entrepreneur organizations. I mean, there is a ton of business entities inside of your town. If not, it's less than two hours up the road and it is worth it. I live in San Antonio and I have gone to Austin, which is about an hour and a half away from me. I have gone to Austin just to get into a different market, just to show up and meet different people. And it took me one time of going there, you know, two and a half hours in the car, meeting up with somebody with a group for two hours. And I walked away with four new people that I was having conversations with. Mm -hmm. So don't even, it's not even just your own market. Go to another one, go for a day. For sure. You can visit, you can immerse yourself. You can, you know, go with a buddy that you happen to know in that region. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many different ways to introduce yourself to new groups of people. And it doesn't always have to be in person. Like there's also ways to get in new groups of people in the online space, but it requires you to just say hello. Like I get it. I am an introvert. I, I get very drained, very drained talking to new people, but I also like love meeting people and I feel like pulled in two directions where like, I want to be friendly. I want to be open. And like, I'm so exhausted after the fact. Mm -hmm. And so I do have to mentally prepare for those things, but being outgoing and like spending the time, not only are you going to feel connected to a community that you are more a part of, but those people, even if they don't become your client, If they know more about you, they're going to refer you to their friends or to someone else they run across. They're like, oh, you need to meet Natalie. She's amazing. She's going to tell you blah, 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 blah. Like they're going to be able to support you too, but it does require you going out and like being a part of that. And I I get it. Like when you work from home, it can be really isolating. It can, there's absolutely been times where I've like looked up and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I only went to the grocery store in the last 30 days. Like, I'm not sure I've left other than that. And you're doing so many things in the day-to-day, you don't even really notice that you're not leaving the house anymore. But it is worth it, and it is time, and it's not necessarily limited to brick and mortars. You can meet tons of other work-from-home businesses in various organizations. It just takes you reaching out and immersing yourself. I will say. The group that I belong to here in San Antonio, there's several companies or, or leaders who show up to those events who don't have brick and mortar. You know, they, they just happen to be in San Antonio doing the same thing. You know, we have online businesses, but we all value getting together face to face for the exact yeah. reason you were just talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. And I really encourage people to get out there instead of sitting in the place of this is never going to work. This is too hard. You would be surprised once you flex the muscle a couple of times how easy it is to build connections, especially when you've got a solid offer. You know, that's going to be important for you. So, 
Abigail, thank you so much for hanging out today. I know that we both have a passion around, you know, helping service-based business owners to be their best and to stay vital to the economy. And thank you for sharing everything that you did. I love this conversation. For the gals that are listening, tell us where they can find more about you. Yeah. So if you love listening to podcasts, I definitely recommend that you download and subscribe to the Strategy Hour. You're going to learn all sorts of actionable takeaways that you can implement in your business right away. I'm in your ears twice weekly. So would love to get to know you guys a bit more there. You can also reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation. If you had a big takeaway from today, feel free to DM me over on Instagram. It's easiest to find me personally. If you go to Boss Project, hit the follow button there. And then my personal handle at Abigail says is in the bio. I'd love for you to send me a DM and tell me what you're thinking about and what challenges you're up against. I'd love to hear more. And if all of this sounds fantastic and you're at the point where you're more consistently booked out, but you're feeling like there's just a little bit something that still needs to give, like you're not quite at your financial goals, but you're out of time. I absolutely have something that I'd love to have a conversation with you about. Our incubator program is really designed for those more booked out professionals who who are ready for a bit of a change. And it's sort of like, if something doesn't give, it's either quit it or change it. Like they have to make adjustments. I'd love to book a call with you. You can go to bossproject.com slash waitlist. Give me a little more details about where you're at in business. And then it's going to take you directly to my Calendly and you can get on my schedule. I'd love to chat. Awesome. Thank you for offering that. Alrighty, friends. I hope you guys have a fantastic day and I will be back in your ears next week. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.